Hey, this is Kelly Whiffen. Thanks for joining us today for the Encounter Church podcast. We all want to live lives of better decisions and fewer regrets. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we believe the next 30 minutes can be one of the most helpful and hopeful parts of your week. At the end of the podcast, stay tuned for a couple messages. Thanks again for joining us today. So have you ever said something and almost in the middle of you saying it, you're like, oh no, how do I, yep, yes, somebody really knows, that must happen Saturday, right? I mean, it must happen yesterday, you got a story to tell, I mean, halfway through it, and especially when you land that plane because you know you got to land it, you're like, how do I even wrap this up, you know? <laughs> I, I've been in that situation before, you're like, what am I saying? And I can't believe I just said that, it's almost like a pebble that you throw in the deepest part of the ocean, good luck getting it back. Something that we all have been found guilty of at a time or two or many in our lives is just saying something and really regretting it. There are very few things that you can just right do and just almost not recover from in some ways, and sometimes it's our mouth. And so this month, we're going to be looking at four different things that find ourselves, because of what we do and most of all what we say, how we get ourselves in trouble. And in some ways, we want to make this series so practical so that you can come out of every single week and find yourself in ways that allow you to walk in wiser, more productive ways, and ultimately in a way that pleases and honors God because he designed us and he has a plan for us. And we get ourselves in trouble with our big, fat mouths, don't we? And some of us more than others, as I just said earlier, I'm so guilty of it. It's easy for me to talk because I like to talk. And I, I try to say that I'm self-aware enough to know that sometimes in my talking, maybe we just all like to hear ourselves talk. Anybody with me? Anybody? Yeah? That same person who ever said that earlier didn't, didn't say anything there. Like, I'm not going to be as verbal this time, right? But we all are guilty of this in so many different ways. This week's series really starts and ties into something that our pastor, Chris, said uh, just two weeks ago. And he talked about the idea of anger. And one of the ways that we get ourselves in trouble isn't just what we say, but it's derived from a different place. It's the fact that we get angry. And he told a brief story tying in two weeks ago when Ella was verbal, verbally said back to, to Chris, she says, I'm mad. You know, or it's easy for us even to say, you make me mad. So this week, we're going to be talking about anger. Where does it come from and how it gets us in trouble? Now, if you're guilty, I just want you to just acknowledge it up front because that's sort of the end. One of the practical things we're going to do even today is say acknowledging this emotion and acknowledging that we are wrong is half the battle in overcoming it. So if you're, if you're just willing at the beginning of this message today, at the very beginning of this series to say guilty, just raise your right hand and look to somebody around you because I can't see you because it's bright and shining light and it's making my head nice and shiny. Look at someone around you and say guilty. All right, now don't look to someone around you and say you're guilty, okay? We're going to talk about that too. Don't blame somebody else about this because I know you are guilty. But the problem is this. This is an emotion and this is a problem that we never plan for. Other emotions can be more rational and can actually be planned for. Even not just happy, but sometimes sad emotions are expected. For instance, if you're going on vacation, anybody look forward to a vacation? 
I mean, hopefully you have those every year, maybe not every year, but I hope that you have a vacation. And maybe like you, maybe like your family, we, we, we like to plan those. We like to look forward to them. And especially when my little Levi, now eight years old, says, how many days? I'm like, do I have to answer that question? 131, settle down. Yes, we're looking forward to it. But we plan that emotion. Even thinking about vacation, we know that we're happy. But we know, at least in the ideal world, we're going to be happy on vacation, right? I know your vacations are always happy, especially the the packing part and the unpacking part and everything in between. But we plan on that, right? We anticipate that. It's rational. We can deal with it. Sometimes even frustration or sad emotions are planned. We hate to deal with this, but when there's a death in the family, you can anticipate, hey, the funeral is going to be tough or this season is going to be tough as you're dealing with the the loss of a loved one or a close family member. These are planned, rational emotions that you know why they exist, you know where they derive from. And often, not, not all the time, but often you can manage them with the right care. Anger is different. Anger is not something you plan on. It is irrational and it can control you. I, I've never talked to anyone, I guess it's probably possible, that says tomorrow I'm going to be really upset. I, I know that you may say the meeting's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard because I'm going to speak the truth to my boss or I have to deal with this problem at school or I have to deal with this problem with my, with my son or my daughter. But anger is irrational and it's not something you plan on. But just like this, it happens. And it comes. So I'm sure you know and have heard of often people refer to the words anger management, right? Why in the world do we say anger management? In the words of a mentor of mine, I've heard other leaders say this in leadership context and problem-solving context, be it in marriage, this is a good counseling practice, be it in relationship even with a mom or a dad or a son or a daughter, a a problem in, in school. Does it matter if you're in sixth grade dealing with friends like this, or does it matter if you're a professional dealing with a colleague? It's important and helpful to identify the type of problem you're dealing with. For instance, it's helpful to ask this question. Is this problem I can solve, or is it a tension I have to manage? When you ask yourself that question and deal honestly with the answer, it's actually super helpful. You'll find that so much of what you're dealing with is not something you can actually solve at all. It's a tension that exists. And because we live in an imperfect world with imperfect people who often, you and I both, we all make mistakes. There are tensions that are real. You've quickly found out after one day on the job, you and your boss don't see it the same way. You have different convictions. You have different personalities. You have different strengths, right? Especially when you're operating maybe in an area of weakness, and your boss is too, or maybe you're operating in an area of a strength. There's just tensions when things aren't the way that they should be or even could be. In so much of relational life, there are problems that exist that do not and cannot be solved very easily more So it is a tension to manage. Anger is not a problem always that can be solved. Because it's an emotional, irrational, quick-tempered response, it has to be managed. The reason it has to be managed is because sometimes the anger is completely 100% justified and understandable. So I want to tell you a few quick things about anger before we jump into really what ultimately I want to share what God says about this issue Let's identify a couple of things. Number one, the types of anger. 
And then number two, the justifiable anger versus the non-justified. Here are some types of anger. First is internal. It is the emotional response that happens immediately. It's unplanned, sometimes rational, sometimes irrational. The internal emotional response that you get when you become angry, it's just internal. Depending on your body language, depending on how you respond, depending on your personality, sometimes people can't even tell that you're angry. You can always tell when I'm angry, right? I mean, I mean, not right. Right, Rachel? Is she in the room? Like, you can just tell because I'll mope and I'll be like, sad. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing. She's like, yeah, right. You know, some people aren't that way. You can be nonverbal, you can be verbal, but it's just that internal emotional response. You don't say anything, you don't do anything, you don't need to. You're angry. It's an emotional response. Second side of that is the external. It is what you do and or what you say because of how you feel. Not because of what they said necessarily. Not because of what's happened to you, but because of how you feel internally, you externally respond. The third is what we call crusader um, anger. The crusader anger is the intentional payback. It is the side not just of action that is sometimes irrational, but it's planned. And it's not always picturing like an act of murder or an act of terror, but this is like payback. You know, you're going to intentionally cause someone else pain because of how you feel. So we have the internal response the external action response, and then the planned response. We have a choice, and it's so difficult to manage this depending on what happens to us. How do we deal with this anger? So a couple of questions that I want to answer now. Number one is why do we get angry? Why do we get angry? We like this one. This is going to put some of you hopefully at ease today, even me as I was preparing this message this week. Here's one of the number one reasons why people get angry and why you and I get angry is because a moral, a, a moral conviction or a moral boundary has been crossed. Some sort of moral boundary has been crossed or breached. And the moment it happens, you get angry. And you think about how to make the wrong right. I remember when I got a phone call and I was in grad school, living in Kentucky at the time, going to school And I got a phone call from my dad that said that my mom had been hit, knocked down, and her purse had been taken in Walmart. And that's why I shop at Target. I'm just kidding. It's not really why I shop at Target. It's just closer. But anyhow, I mean, I I just remember that response, and and I was like, oh, my gosh, I wish wish that I were there, right? Because when somebody knocks down your mama, what do you do? That's right. You punch them in the nose. Right? I mean, I just wanted to be there. I'm like, I just picturing someone hurting my mom. The anger that rose up inside of me, and honestly, because I would not have been able to self, to probably have self control and manage that emotional response at that time. What happens? You want to react in anger. And some of that is a justifiable reason, the emotional internal response that is understandable, and in some ways that is okay. And the reason I say it's okay is because a right has been wronged. Something has been crossed internally inside your heart, inside your brain that would also, listen to this carefully, that also hurts and makes, it makes the heart of God break as well. In fact, this scripture 
necessarily isn't about this today, but throughout the Bible, we see how God has this internal emotional response of anger as well. When people are hurt and when wrong things happen, that this is a, a response that is not in and of itself wrong. So when a moral conviction or a moral boundary set forth internally, really by God has been breached, the emotional response of anger is understandable and justifiable. And here's the bad news. I think we can relate to that first one, right? Yeah, when something wrong happens, we read the newspaper, someone that we love has been hurt, someone hurts your son or your daughter, you're, you're going to get upset. The second most common umbrella of emotional, irrational response is this. You don't get your way, right? And I don't get my way. Almost every time you trace back an anger issue that has gone undealt with or that is causing relational workplace friend problems, it really boils down to something that you are, have inside of your heart that's not being met, a desire and or a preference. In fact, when we often respond back to those, either text messages or emails or even social media, some of the response, the moment you press send and that emotional response is just even sometimes it, it didn't go your way. What you want is not what you see or what you want is not what you have. You wish it were a different way. Sometimes that's understandable and often it's just not. It's a problem. How do we solve it? Often we can't. How do we manage it? God has something incredible to say today. And I want to read to you from the book of James. James was the half-brother of Jesus, coming, of course, from Mary and Joseph. Um, James was not only the half-brother of Jesus, but was close to him, was a disciple of Jesus, and wrote this profound, incredible letter to believers. And he has so much to say. It's an incredible, um, small letter of the Bible that has so much to offer. And he says this, found in James chapter 1. We're going to read just a few verses. Starting in verse 19, the Bible says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. You know when your boss said, you better write this down? Like even if you don't write things down, you're like, I better write it down. Or a pastor or a communicator or a teacher says, all right, write this down, folks. This is really what James is saying. It's like, hey, not that they're writing everything down, right? Because most of what was communicated at that time, even to the readers, was just oral. Things aren't quite in print, right? And so these letters are being read to the new believers in these different communities around the known world at that time. And so he says, take note of this. Remember this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I just want to read it again. My brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, everybody say, that's easy for you to say. I mean, yeah, I read it. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I got that one, coach. <laughs> and I'll put in a different quarterback, right? I got that one. I got that one. That's so easy. But listen, we can't miss the subtle teaching that is in this. Because when I look at this, I'm like, okay, what is this 
almost like a, a literature test to read a small concept and you say, what's the theme, right? What is this passage about? Or in seminary, in interpreting the Bible, um, there's different uh, facets of the English language and language in general. There are narratives, there are proverbs, there are, there are similes, right? There are comparisons, there are psalms, songs written in the scriptures, so song lyrics, right? What does this mean? What is the author intending to say? And I think it's at the very end. there's a way and there's a life that God desires for you. And let me tell you, anger gets in the way of that. Okay? That's the point. There is a desire in a life. It's not just talking less or being quick to listen. Yeah, that's helpful. That's just helpful for humans. Okay? The theme isn't just about listening and about not getting angry. You're not acting in anger. Here's the theme. God has a plan for your life. And anger gets in the way of it. Guilty. God has a plan for your life and anger gets in the way of it. Now, these first two steps here are really what I believe James wants us to know about what will be helpful for us. So what's the first thing that he says here? Quick to listen. Quick to listen. Everybody do this with me. Okay, take an index finger, put it over your lips. Everybody say, shh. Okay, some of you started looking at each other. <laughs> that was really you telling yourself to be shh. Just, okay, everybody say, do it with me. It's just helpful and peace. I mean, this is just counseling for me. Shh. All right, look to somebody else. Tell them to be quiet. Shh. All right? Quick to listen. That's the first recommendation. Be quick to listen. I can tell stories of Josiah and Levi coming to me, maybe they're upset with one another, they're upset because my brother did this, and daddy jumps to conclusions. Daddy knows the answer. Daddy can tell the story, but they haven't even told the story, right? And I'm out dishing my, my godly, fatherly discipline to them, and I haven't even heard the story. And they get indignant, they're upset, they're, they're upset with me now because I'm jumping to conclusions, right? Because, I, because my, my response, I'm like, hey, you shouldn't have done that, here's the deal, boom. It's like, hey, you don't even know the story, dad. Quick to listen. The reason so many of us deal with anger and it hurts us is that we quickly let the emotional rise, the emotional gauge take over, Right? As soon as you feel the emotional response, it's easy to blurt out and it's easy to start talking. It's easy to jump to conclusions. We sometimes diagnose the problem before we even understand it. And I'm so guilty of doing that. And so James says, everyone should be quick to listen. In fact, there's a proverb in the Bible that says, and this isn't in the book of Proverbs, it's actually found in the book of Ecclesiastes. The author says this, just like the, uh, the speech of a fool comes when there are many words, dreams come when there are many cares. So if you got a lot of anxieties in life, sometimes it causes an effect on our dreams. Just like that, foolishness comes from when we have a lot of words. And I'm telling you, if you're a quick thinker, you're kind of quick-witted, you're really an emotionally driven person, there come so many more problems when we start talking when we're angry. I'm telling you, you cannot and you will never stop the emotional response of anger in your life. It can't happen. So in some ways, let yourself off the hook. Can you do that? Let yourself off the hook for getting angry. Let yourself off the hook for getting all riled up. You, whatever you say, whatever you, however you describe it, your emotional response. If, you, if you're that internal anger, 
You can't stop it. If you have that external kind of tendency to kind of let people know how upset you are, you can't stop it. The crusader anger is a little bit different. Yes, you can stop a planned attack, right, to get them back. But you cannot stop the emotional gauge of the internal response. You can't. So let yourself off the hook. But what you can do is be quiet. It'll help you. It'll serve you. And ultimately can pave the way towards you pursuing the life that God desires for you. The next thing he says is that we should be slow to speak. So being quick to listen and slow to speak go hand in hand, don't they? They go hand in hand. When we're quick to listen, what we are doing is pursuing understanding. And when we're pursuing understanding and we give ourselves time to reflect, it's better for us. A couple of weeks ago, Rachel called me on the phone and told me about an issue and and I, I was actually pretty proud of myself. All right? There are many dad moments and husband moments that I'm not proud of. But I was pretty proud of myself. I said, you know what? You know what, babe? Let me, let me think on this one. You know, I <laughs> the phone was like, yeah, I think I just won. And then I didn't think about it very much, right? I'm like, I think I know the answer. No, the, the, the ability and the discipline to say, let me reflect. Let me think. Let me ponder serves all of us so well. And finally, he says, Because human anger does not produce. Because human anger does not produce the life that God desires. What human anger? It's interesting that he says human anger, right? This is in some ways what he's saying is that it's not a godly anger or justifiable or moral anger. In some ways, moral anger anger is pure. It is without fault. You don't feel bad about getting angry at everything, do you? No. You feel bad about what you do because of anger, because it maybe it's driven in selfishness or you not getting your way. That's why he says human anger. In other words, he's saying the fleshly anger, the things that you desire that are only about you when you get upset. It's not justifiable. It's not right. It's not pure. It's not what God wants. It's what you want. And it's the fact that you didn't get your way. And as we could all raise our hands again and say, guilty. How do we avoid that? How do we do it? Because like I said earlier, it's easy for us to say, you know what, I, I, I get angry and it's hard for us, or should I say impossible for us to avoid this emotional response. So what do we do with it? Josiah came in the living room last night and had my iPad in my lap, just looking over some notes for today. And I said, uh, Josiah, um, dad's talking about uh, anger tomorrow and how we kind of get ourselves in trouble. He's like, okay. I said, what do you think about it? What do you think I should say about it? You know, I don't know how many pastors ask their 10-year-olds what they should say. He goes, well, you get angry. I was like, yep. <laughs> I get angry. Yep. Mom gets angry. Yep. And he left Levi out. I said, what about Levi? He goes, oh, yeah. Levi gets angry. But then he said this. I love it. I love it. He said, but we always say we're sorry. I said, okay, good, 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 good. I'll remind you of that, son, right? We try to model that forgiveness. We try to, we try to make sure we, we do model. I said, yeah, this is something we all, and I reminded him, yeah, of course, son, we all get angry. Sometimes we understand why, sometimes it's kind of selfish, but we always say we're sorry. And so here are the three things I want you to think about um, as we wrap up today. Other than what we've just said about, shh, right? 
two other things. Number the number the, the number two thing is I want you to own it. Own it. Anger is one of the emotions where we get ourselves in trouble with our mouth so easily. But here's why we get ourselves in trouble. Now, let's talk about diagnosing the problem. The reason we get ourselves in trouble with the emotional side of anger is that it's so easy to blame shift. It's so easy to point the finger. When I mentioned Pastor Chris a few weeks ago when he was talking about Ella, he reminded Ella, oh, no, 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 daddy's not making you angry. You're, you're getting angry, right? Do you remember this? Those of you that happen to be here, you're getting angry because you're not doing what daddy told you to. Remember that? The moment he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, that kind of ties into this first week of this message. Anger is not someone else's fault. Now, I know you could rationally argue with that statement, okay? But anger is your response to what they did. And what I'm not saying is that you don't have a right to be upset. What I'm not saying is you don't have a right to feel the emotional, rational, sometimes irrational response of anger. But what I'm saying is that you have to own your response because the truth is the person beside you may not respond the same way. So whose fault is it, right? While one person takes the bad traffic blow, one person takes the middle finger right to the, uh, you know, to, to you when they're cut off in traffic and the other person says, hey, they must be in a hurry. Right? I mean, I know that's making it really like oversimplistic, but like you have to own the fact that your response is your response and you are owning it. No one can control how you'd respond except for you. I know that statement may frustrate some of you that deal with anger, an anger issue, and I understand. I have been frustrated with myself saying, why did I get so upset about that? Why did I respond that way that wasn't right? They didn't deserve it. Well, here's, here's what can help you by always recognizing that it's your responsibility, not blame shifting. It is so easy to point the finger and say, you said this, that's why I got angry. Now, I think you can say, you said this, that's why I'm hurt, but that's subtle. That's why the, the final thing is this. You have to acknowledge why you're angry. You're like, well, that's easy. But when I say acknowledge, I mean acknowledge why you are angry, not acknowledge why they made you angry. It is so easy for each one of us to respond in a way that we're not proud of, to say things that we're not proud of because of how we feel. But part of the battle is not just putting our finger over our big mouth and being quiet, not just listening well, but making sure that you always acknowledge the fact that your anger is your emotional response. Therefore, it's your responsibility. It never helps a relationship to point the finger and tell someone else why they made you angry. It always helps the relationship to acknowledge why you're angry so that you can deal with the problem. Do you hear that subtle difference? Do you hear the subtle difference? You said rather than, hey, I'm hurt. Do you hear that? (laughs) You said rather than, I'm hurt. It's so easy to do that. And so what I want to encourage you and challenge you to do is to recognize the wisdom that James offers and tells us, listen, it's going to happen. Everybody say it with me. It's going to happen. Not today, but someday. We're going to get angry. It's going to happen. But if you're quiet and if you listen 
And if you never blame shift, it will remove so many obstacles in your life. And if you want to remove the obstacle in your life, we have to be quiet. And we have to be willing to say it's my responsibility the way I responded. It's like in my life, I've learned to say, yeah, I'm hurt by this, but I should not have responded that way. Rather than why did you say you should not have said. It's not helpful, right? It hurt me that you said, and I should not have responded that way. Can, can just break down so many barriers. The reason we need those barriers broken down is because God has a desire for your life. And that desire is for you to please him and know him in all things. And anger is one of the few things that gets in the way. It clearly. Siri loves to talk to me whenever I'm speaking. I don't know if you heard that. Siri's just talking about Siri just said, that's what I figured. I'm like, I wasn't talking to you. Okay, I'm trying to focus here. Um, I don't know, about six or seven months ago, I was teaching a message. I don't know if you were in the room at that time, but I accidentally called a limousine service in Worcester, you know? And I'm like, man, you guys going to think the pastors roll out of the limousines after they speak every Sunday. Some limousine company shows up. But I'm like, no, that's not what I did. Anyways, where, where, where was I, Ricky? Do you remember where I was? I'm just kidding. Maybe Ricky doesn't even hear me right now. <laughs> Ricky, can you hear me right now? Okay, he does. <laughs> Ricky's like, listen, I've been playing music. You carry on with the service, man. <laughs> trying, trying to focus here. <laughs> no, really, where, where was I? Okay. God has a, a, a desire for your life. And that desire is for you to please him in all things. And anger destroys it. So be quiet. Listen. Always take responsibility. It's not someone else's fault. It's your responsibility. Let's pray. Thanks again for joining us. Did you know we've created a free app just for you? Whether you're exploring or want to grow in your faith, the app is a great place to start. If you found today's teaching helpful, we hope you'll subscribe or share it with your friends. We look forward to connecting with you on site or online at Encounter Church soon.